Welcome to the Life Church STL podcast. Wherever you're joining us from, we hope this message encourages and inspires you. Thanks for listening and enjoy today's message. We've been in this series, Old School, and uh, I think <laughs> this is going to be the, the final message in that series. Um, and of course, uh, to finish it up, I I think the most appropriate way is to talk about Jesus, which of course we always do, but more specifically, some things about Jesus in the beginning of his ministry today. But what I want to talk about is, um, you know, this issue that is old school, this issue that we have today, but it's not a new thing that we've come up with, although I would say it's very prevalent today, which really was prevalent back in the Bible Bible times also, but what I want to talk about is, is if we truly see Christ standing before us, if we can see who He is and what He's doing in us, through us, around us, Or if we can't see those things because it's not what we pictured. It's not maybe who we wanted Him to be or what we wanted Him to do. And in Luke 4, I'm not going to go to the Scripture just yet, but in Luke 4 you have this moment where Jesus had just recently been tempted by Satan, and he goes through that moment, of course. I'm not going to read through that, that whole story, but then after that moment, he comes in power um, to, uh, to Galilee. So the Spirit brought him and restored him his strength after that moment where he was tempted and walked through those different kind of things that the devil was trying to deceive him and and trick him with. And he comes in power. And so he's in Galilee and and he is preaching in the synagogues. He's just sharing and 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 things are happening. And and all kinds of people come and they're they're listening to the words that he's saying. And things are going really good. But then he goes to Nazareth. Then he goes back to the place where he is originally from. And in Luke 4, 16, and it's not going to be the whole chapter, but I'm going to read you most of the chapter because I think it's fun. Okay. It says, so he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. 
And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. And he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Then he closed the book and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all who were in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, Today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. So all bore witness to him and marveled at the gracious words which proceeded out of his mouth. And they said, Is this not Joseph's son? He said to them, You will surely say this proverb to me. Physician, heal yourself. Whatever we have heard done in Capernaum, do also here in your country. Then he said, Assuredly, I say to you, no prophet is accepted in his own country. But I tell you, many widows in Israel in the days of Elijah, there were many widows. In the days of Elijah, when the heaven was shut up three years and six months, there was a great famine throughout all the land, but to none of them was Elijah sent except Zarephath in the region of Sidon to a woman who was a widow. And many lepers were in Israel in the time of Elisha the prophet. And none of them was cleansed except Naaman the Syrian. So all those in the synagogue when they heard these things were filled with wrath and rose up and thrust him out of the city and they led him to the brow of a hill on which their city was built, that they might throw him down over a cliff. Then passing through the midst of them, he went his way. Now I'm going to go through this, not quite scripture by scripture, but, but I, I wanted to, to take this scripture and just kind of try to unpack it. So first of all, you have Jesus coming back to Nazareth, to this place that he was born. You know, it's like, and they even said, isn't this Joseph's son? We know his parents. We knew him when he was a little kid getting lost and his family had to come back to find him. You know, like, all, they're just like, I, I knew you. And look, listen, I feel this. I feel this. Because... I could not count the times that people have told me, I remember when you were a baby. <laughs> Thank you very much. I love to hear that. I just love it. <laughs> no, I, I don't really mind it, but it's just funny. It's like, yeah, I, yeah, pretty much everybody does. You know, like, I was a kid, like, I was an ornery little kid. I was an honorary teenager, and, you know, I wasn't that bad, but, but I wasn't that good either, and <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> I'm probably just going to continue on, but I feel this. You know, he's in his hometown, and 
And these people are saying, is it this, that baby that we just knew growing up? How is he even this old now? But that wasn't what was shocking to them. Because it says that they sat there and marveled and, and were just in awe of the gracious words that he was spoken. He said, this, today, this scripture, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me to preach the gospel to the poor, to do these things. His Spirit is upon me, and today this scripture is fulfilled. And they're like, wow, that's amazing. Wow, look the grace, the, the peace that's on him, and they're, they're just seeing him, and it's great. But he didn't allow it to just stay great. He didn't allow them just to marvel at these words because, I mean, look, he's God, right? So, of course, when he speaks, you're going to feel it. You're going you're gonna to feel the grace and the peace flowing out of him. And he knows that. And he even says something that's a little like pushing the boundary, saying, this is fulfilled in your hearing. I'm the guy. They're like, whoa, this is awesome. He said, to, I come to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. But then he, you know what? He stops. He's, he's speaking this word from Isaiah, and he stops. And you know why he stops? I'm going to tell you why he stops, if you didn't know. In the second part of that word that was spoken, it says, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord, and to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord, and the day of vengeance of God. See, when Jesus came, he knew what they were wanting. They weren't wanting the Savior, the, the healer, the one that was going to come and redeem. They were wanting the vengeance. They were wanting the guy that was going to come to rule and to reign and to crush their enemy. just stop a second and ask, how many times is that what we want from God? How many times do we miss Him and what He's doing or don't see Him right in front of us because we're wanting the day of vengeance of the Lord? And he's saying, I want to extend peace and grace. But they're not messed up yet. They're not, they're not upset yet. And see, maybe if... You know, as long as... Jesus is who they want him to be, things are going to be good. As long as he's who we want him to be, most of the times things are good. 
But what happens? What happens? I'm not saying you want him to, to be something bad, but, but sometimes we get angry when he's not doing what we think he should do. When he's not restoring what we think he should restore. Or healing what we think he should heal. And how many times has it blinded us that we think that God should be doing something so much so that we can't see Him right in front of us. In John 12, 47 and 48, it says, And if anyone hears my words and does not believe, I do not judge him, for I did not come to judge the world, but to save it. He who rejects me and does not receive my words, has that which judges him. The word that I have spoken will judge him in the last day. See, he's saying, he's saying, listen, I didn't come in this moment to bring judgment. See, he's, see, back in the Old Testament, in, the, in this moment, Isaiah, whenever it's spoken about the acceptable day of the Lord and the vengeance, of God. They saw the whole picture. The whole picture of what was going to happen. So when you get to the New Testament and you get Jesus coming in to this synagogue and, and the people that were there ready to hear what he had to say and to listen, they were looking for the whole picture. Sometimes we don't understand that we're in the middle of the picture. I want to see the whole thing done. Everything wrapped up. Let's go, God. Let's do it. And God says, no, we're in the middle. See, he came. Jesus, not to bring vengeance, but to bring more people into himself. But what they wanted was vengeance. What they wanted was to see the whole thing wrapped up so they could see the end of it in their time. And he said, listen, that judgment will come. But right now, what I want is for people to receive me. People to see me. I want people to see who I am and to come to me. And the judgment will come later. In Luke 4, 4, verse 21, again, I'm just going to repeat it again. Today in this scripture, today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. That wasn't astonishing to them. Verse 22, so all bore witness to him and marveled at the gracious words. Look, they're marveling at his words, which proceeded out of his mouth. And they said, is this not Joseph's son, that little boy that we knew growing up? So far, so good. But what happens next after that is what really got under their skin. Because he said, assuredly, I say to you, no prophet is accepted in his own country. 
So he's saying, yeah, you're speaking well of me while you think that you know who I am and what I'm going to do. But the problem is, is that I didn't come to do what you wanted me to do. I came to do what God wanted me to do. And will you accept me when I'm not here to do what you want? We have our perception of who he is and what he will do. Do we want our perception of God or do we want him? Do we want our perception of Jesus or do we want him? And what he wants to do and who he is. So then he tells a couple of stories that are really going to send things in a different direction. In verse 25, Luke 4, 25, But I tell you truly, many widows were in Israel in the days of Elijah. When the heaven was shut up for three years and six months, and there was a great famine throughout all the land. But to none of them was Elijah sent except to Zarephath in the region of Sidon to a woman who was a widow. He says, I'm going to tell you a story. And what it's going to do is challenge your thoughts about who I am and what I have come to do. Because they felt that he had come to restore Israel, that he had come to rule and to reign, and just for them, for the Jewish people. And he says, I'm for you, but I'm not just for you. And in order to to really get in there and just put a little splinter in you, to really get you going, I'm going to tell you a story that in Israel there were so many, there was famine, there was, there was so many that needed in Israel. But Elijah wasn't sent to those that were in Israel. He wasn't sent to the Jewish people. He was sent to Zarephath in the region of Sidon. He says, I'm not just sent for you. I'm sent for the Gentile. I'm sent for the sinner. I'm sent for those outside of your comfort zone. I'm sent for those that you might think are not worthy of me. He's saying, look at this. Saying Elijah was it? He wasn't sent to those that were in need. He was sent to some, an outsider. So then they start getting a little antsy. And then in verse 28, no, verse 27, it says, And many lepers were in Israel. Again, in Israel. And many lepers were in Israel in the time of Elisha, the prophet, But none of them was cleansed except Naaman, the Syrian. He takes it a step further and he says, let me tell you another story. 
There were many lepers, people with leprosy in Israel. But God didn't send Elisha to any one of those people. But he sent him to an outsider. He sent him to help one of those people that you don't think should be helped. He was a Syrian. He was a rival. He was a bad guy. I'm a bad guy, but I'm not a bad guy. That was from Wreck-It Ralph, by the way. Um, He says, listen. Elisha wasn't sent to all those that had leprosy in Israel, but he was sent to an outsider. He's sent to the outcast. He said, I want you to start seeing that, that I'm not just sent for a certain people. I'm sent for everybody. And I will go out for the outcast. I will go out for the one that you think I shouldn't go out for. And I will reach out, I'll heal them. And I, I, I don't know how exactly to interpret this, but what if he even skips over us to bless somebody that maybe we think shouldn't be blessed? Are we able to wrap our minds around God not doing the things that we think he should be doing for us, but he's doing stuff for those that we think shouldn't get anything. See, and then, look, see, you're like, man, those, those, those guys, I can't believe, you know, they're getting upset. But whenever I start bringing it home, and you're like, wait a second, wait, wait a minute, I mean, do we really are, do we really understand? Do we really see him and understand that he is good and he's our God and still come to him whenever we see somebody else that maybe had done it wrong, getting the blessing and we don't? And then in verse 28 through 30, it says, so all those in the synagogue, so he just messed them up, right? He just like, when they heard these things were filled with wrath and rose up and thrust him out of the city. It's like, I thought you guys liked me. And they led him to the brow of a hill on which their city was built that they might throw him down over the cliff. I love this. It's like, it's like, oh, he's, he's putting the wedge in, right? He's, he's making it happen, and there's a purpose for it, right? He's saying, I didn't come for you to, you, you know, to place me as your earthly king. I came for you to place me as the king of your heart. So in order to do that, I'm going to have to mess up your worldview, I'm going to have to mess up all these things that you've been thinking and saying for so long and get you to the place where you're agitated. And so they just get up and they thrust. I mean, they're getting ready to throw him off the hill. 
But I, I love, I don't, I don't know why. Sometimes whenever I read the scripture and I'm just like, you, you see this anger, this riot, this, this passion that's happening because he, you know, messed them up. It says that they might throw him down over the cliff. And then it just comes with this peaceful. Then passing through the midst of them, he went his way. A crowd of people around him. He apparently allowed them to grab him and push him and thrust him over up on this hill so that they could throw him off of this cliff. And, and then it comes to a point, he's saying, okay, I've got you to this point where I've agitated your worldview and who you think I should be, and I want to know if you're going to see me, and they don't. And all of a sudden, he just turns the lights off and says, I'm going to go this way, actually. And the whole point of this, this story that I, that I want to like draw out is, is that whew, he passed through their midst. I, I don't want Jesus to, to be doing something that gets me so like irritated because it's not what I want that he can pass through and I not see him or what he's doing. I don't know why I keep, I just want to keep reading it. Then passing through the midst of them, he went his way, not their way. He went his way. He's saying, this, this is where I'm going to go. Are you going to follow me this direction? Are you going to follow me where I'm going? Or are you going to reject me or miss me because I'm not doing what you want? Are we going to see who He is? The fullness of who He is. See, when I, I want to be in a place where when that I'm, I'm so understanding who God is and who Christ is and what He's done for me, no matter what happens or what he does or what happens around me, it doesn't ever cause me to miss where he is. In Hebrews 1.3 it says, Who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person, 
and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Like, do we understand? See, Jesus came in the fullness, the fullness of God. Fully God and fully man. Not to kill all those people that we don't think should be alive, but to save us because we aren't fully alive. It says, by himself purged our sins. He purged our sins and sat down at the right hand. See, God isn't that angry Old Testament, this, this Jesus that, you know, that's what they wanted. They, want, they wanted the, the Old Testament fire to come down. They wanted all those that, that weren't following God to just burn up and become a pile of ash. But what happens when he comes? Not as the fire, but as the ointment, as as the healing, as the restoration, as the one that takes that hurting person and says, I want to bring restoration to your soul. And we say, I don't know if you know who that is, God. See, that's when when it becomes a struggle. But I don't want to throw him off a hill. I want to see him when he turns around to walk his way. I want to see the fullness of who he is. When he is going in the direction that he wants to, not just the direction that I want him to. Do we know him? In John 14, 9, it says, Jesus said to him, have I been with you so long? And yet you have not known me, Philip. He who has seen the Father, seen me, has seen the Father. So how can you say, show us the Father? He's trying to explain. He's like, listen, you you ask me. He's saying, you're asking me, can you show us the Father? He's like, I've been telling you that when you hear my words, they're my Father's words. When you see me, you see my Father. Whenever you get what I am giving you, you're getting what God is giving you. You can't separate Him. You can't separate Jesus from God the Father. You may like to hear that Old Testament fire and brimstone and just want the wrath of God, but you can't separate that and just have that. That moment will come, and I'm glad that it hasn't come yet. 
But he says, will you see me and see that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? Can you understand what I am doing in this moment? Ephesians 2, 4 and 6 through 6. This is a wrap-up of, of, of what Christ did for us. It says, But God, who is rich in mercy because of His great love with, with which He loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. Even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. We were dead. We needed help. But we've been made alive when we come to Him as our Lord and our Savior. We accept Him. Say, I need you. I want you. That we are made alive. To see Him for who He truly is. You know, I, th I think about the things that I've wanted God to do in my life. And there's many things that He has done. There's many things that He has accomplished in me. But you know what? Most of them are not what I wanted. And it's not that I don't want them now, it's that I was, you know, I was wanting, hey, God, set me up, you know? <laughs> I want to be financially stable. I want a good job. I want to, you know, a nice car. I, I want to be a race car driver. Um, I actually did for a while when I was. Um, you know, all these things that, that you could want. But at some point, you have to, to stop Going and being led by what you want and be led by what He wants. And you know, sometimes God has to do it gently and slowly, like with me, you know? Because one of the things, and probably a lot of you, especially the ones that have been here since I was a baby, have heard me say this, but... I, I wasn't looking forward to being the pastor of the church. You know, whenever I was 10 years old, I wasn't like, one day I'm going to be the pastor and I'm going to be preaching and I'm going to do all this stuff. I wasn't. You know, what I said was, God, send me to another country. You know, I can talk to a couple of people at a time maybe. And it'll be easier if they don't, they can't understand that I'm not the most eloquent person. But at a certain point, I had to lay down 
those things that I thought about myself or who God is or what He wanted me to do in, in my own mind and just say, God, where, where is it that you're going? What is it that you want to do? I'll follow you. And to stop missing, because I was, at, at points in my life, missing him and who he was, because I was just seeing what I thought he was supposed to do. But I had to lay down those selfish thoughts about who God is that I had. Or what he wants me to do that I had been holding on to. I had to lay those down. And all of a sudden, instead of him walking through the crowd and not being seen, and all of a sudden, whenever I lay this down, then I can see him. And I'm like, oh, wait, 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 no, 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 I, I want to go where you're going. Sometimes he has to mess us up. It's, it's, not, e it's not easy. You know, I, I, I think about that and about this moment where he's, he's sharing these, these, uh, this message in this synagogue. And, and he says, you know, today this, this is fulfilled in your eyes and, and God has called me to this moment. And I am the one you've been looking for. And they're like, oh, yeah. And then he's like, but I'm not who you think I am. I'm not the vengeance that you seek. But I've come to heal and restore. There's a lot of times, and you know, in this moment where I came to know really to see him and started going down that path that he led me to become pastor of the church, one of the things that I had to deal with was judgment. Was the fact that I wanted God to deal with certain people in a way that, I mean, God, if you're not going to wipe them off the earth, just keep them, you know, do whatever, do something else. I don't know, but please wipe them off the earth. And I had this, this bitterness and this, this hatred in my heart. And it kept me from seeing him standing right in front of me. It kept me from seeing what he wanted to do in my life. And I had to let it go. I had to let go of the things that I wanted. I had to let go of the things that I was holding on to. Bitterness, judgment, all these things. And let go of that so that I could hold. See, I can't, when I'm holding this stuff, I mean, you know, it, it may feel good for a moment to be angry or bitter. 
But all that it does is fester and grow into a mess that eats away at your soul. And I was a mess. And I had to let go and say, God, I can't hold this anymore. I can't hold these things that I've, that I've been holding against this person or that person. I can't hold this anger or this judgment. All I want to hold is you. All I want to hold is what you have for me and what you want for me. And I share that story, not, not to say like, wow, look what God did for me. To say that he wants for each and every one of us to let go of what we think that he should do and hold on to who he truly is and what he is going to do. To come to that point where instead of wanting what we want, we let go, grab hold of what he wants. And then all of a sudden, see, we don't realize it sometimes, that we're not seeing him. Oh, I go to church, I worship, you know, I even pray in the morning sometimes. I do, you know, I'm, I even read my Bible. But God wants to do something more in your life. Say, well, for who? No, everybody. See, and I, I say that, not being excluded myself. He wants to do more in my life. So I keep releasing stuff to him. See, no matter where we are or what we've done, God says, I want more from you. And when we come to this place where we continually receive more and more of who he is and what he wants for us, that is the moment that the church is going to be the church. Not to receive some, you know, exciting, tantalating, you know, words, but to receive His Spirit, to receive who He is and what He wants for us. Will you stand with me? Thanks for listening today. We pray this message encourages you. If you have any questions or you'd like to learn more about us as a church, you can always visit us online by going to lifechurchstl.com.